You know it's time to do it major. Here's to the hustlers, the movers and shakers. Get up on your grind. Don't let the haters get ya. I know that you got a vision. Now it's time to deliver. Yeah, yeah. Giving you the tools, helping you to grow. Level up, time to shine like you never did before. Let them know. More than a podcast, it's a mindset. You can do anything, you just gotta keep grinding. Let's go. The Entrepreneur Adventure. Hey, the entrepreneur adventure. You ready? Hey. I'm like, well, you know, between the two asset classes, the intangible asset and the, and, and the intangible asset, which one do you value most? And nine times out of 10, if you don't own a bunch of multifamily properties or commercial buildings, they're going to say the intangible assets of the business is what I value most. Well, which ones are you insuring for due to an unforeseen loss? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Adventure Podcast, where we give you the tools to mitigate more risk than ever before. Please welcome our guest for today, Mr. Van Carlson, founder of Strategic Risk Alternatives, as he sheds some light on the ever-mysterious SRA 831B admin. And with that, I'll turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. What's up, entrepreneurs? Hope you are having an awesome week. So let me ask you some questions today. Are you a risk-taking entrepreneur? Are you out there growing your business, scaling, warning about strategies? And are you into mysteries? Because if you are, this episode is for you. I say mystery because our guest today owns SRA 831B admin. And I don't know about all of you out there, but that is a mystery to me. So I don't know (laughs) what we're going to talk about today, but I think it's something to do with strategies around maximizing revenue and some tools all these Fortune 500 companies use to make a pile of money and pay less taxes and all the things that we probably need to know. So with that, I will welcome our guest, Van Carlson. Welcome today, Van. Hey, thanks. I appreciate being on you guys' uh, podcast and looking forward to our talk today. So yeah, thanks for having me. Chad are guaranteed to learn today. That's what we know. Uh, we are guaranteed to learn because we have no idea what it is you yes. do, man. Yeah, well, it's exciting. It's managing <laughs> It's uh, managing risk for business owners. Uh, I know? love it. Well, if that's one thing, if there's one thing I need to know, it's managing risk. I know. I keep taking all these risks, and I assume someone should be helping me manage this. So, again, this is probably going to be a lot for me to learn, and also I'll probably be scared at the end of this talk, which is great. As it yeah. exists in, in my life right now, um, the only person out there working to strategically minimize my risk is my wife. And that, that is that is not what I need in my corner uh, most of the time when it comes to the professional side of uh, probably what, what's out there and what we need to know. So tell us a bit about your journey, man. Tell us uh, yeah. how you got started in business and uh, what kind of brought you to where we're at today. Yeah, you know, um, Oh man, long, long time ago, almost 30 years ago now, I, I got into risk management really through uh, running a property and casualty agency from scratch. So I was, I started as a farmer's insurance agent actually up here in my state in, in Idaho. And uh, prior to that, I was going down the corporate world. I graduated college. I was uh, going through management training programs actually at FedEx. And uh, I saw myself moving around for the rest of my life. And, uh, 
you know, live in that corporate world. And I had no interest in that. And so uh, I've always been kind of an entrepreneur anyway. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to invest in 60, 70 hours for a company, um, maybe I should invest in myself in those same hours. And that's essentially what I've done. And that's what I continue to do. And, and I'll, you know, after 30 years later, you know a lot more and you can work less hours. That's, that's where they all comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm about 21 years in. So what you're telling me is about nine years oh, from yeah. now, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll be, able, you'll be like 50 hours cuts down to five. It's not, it's, you know, you know, where, you know where all these conversations are going to end. So it gets a lot quicker now. So. Well, that's you know. really exciting for me. I guess at this point yeah. I feel kind of pot committed. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll see it out another nine years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, man, I tell, enjoy the grind because the grind is, the education and, and, and making you stronger and better. But, you know, for me, it was, you know, that's what I did. And I went out and started a scratch agency, did very well, very successful. 08 came along, um, you know, rocked my world a little bit, rocked a lot of business owners world, you know, with a great recession. And, uh, you know, I saw a lot of friends, clients, business owners over the years that have, you know, became friends of mine, forced to go out of business. And, uh, I figured it had to be a better way. And that's when I was introduced to the 831B tax code. And, and just so give give your listeners a, a quick, you know, comparison. There's two tax codes that allow business owners to defer income. And that's a 401k, which I think most people are familiar with 401ks. Uh, you know, it's for your benefit of your, you and your employees retirement. Yep. And then there's the 831B. And the 831B uh, came out in actually 1986. I mean, just to give you a, Trivial pursuit question, you know, 1978, uh, 401k legislation came out. And really what was happening back then, I think your ta- highest tax rates, if you made over 250,000 back then, which in 1978, uh, how many millions would that be today? But it doesn't matter. But, you know, it was a considerable amount of money. But your your tax brackets, I believe, on the federal level was in the high 60s and 70s. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Which, you know, yeah. So anyway, they came out with the 401k and it was designed to be the, for highly compensated executives. And of course, it took a CPA, other people to read the tax code and go, wait a minute, you can do this for a lot more. So what the 401k was originally written for was was not what it's being used for today. And that's kind of interesting history. But I think you find that in a lot of laws and legislation. I mean, we're Americans. So we have a tendency to... Um, you know, take a box <laughs> and want to stretch it, bend it, and you know, and and put it to where it's in, in our interests, and that's what we do. And we're innovators at the end of the day. And we that's call that loopholes in my business. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the way you're you're right because no bill, even though it's a thousand pages, there'll be there'll be something in there they missed. Yep. But um, or crazy, or, in, or intentionally put in one of the two. <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's a that's a really good point. Uh, in 1986, this law was introduced. Um, uh, the tax it was, a, it was our largest. It's actually been the largest tax reform act. Uh, they called 2017 the tax reform act. That was not a reform act. The 1986 tax reform act was a massive reform in our taxes. They introduced this tax code at this time because when you're self-insuring risk, that's not a deduction under the IRS guidelines. And so, if I offer a if, you know, if I sell a product. And I'll offer a five-year warranty on that. Or worse, you know, if I'm doing business with Costco and I'm selling my product to Costco and they have this liberal return policy, uh, it's not Costco eating that product. It's it's the manufacturer and distributors eating that thing. Yeah. And so that's called a non-merchability warranty, which means it's not defective. It's just the client was able to bring it back after it was used. Well, what's 
you know, what's it worth today? It's not even worth shipping. I got clients that won't even ship their products from Costco because it costs them more money than than what they're going to get because it's worthless. I mean, even though it's a it's a really good widget and it still works, you know, that's why you have all these stores cropping up that are selling, you know, returns from Costco now, right? So anyway, so all that aside, there's risk out there business owners take that are self-insuring risk. Well, back in 1986, it was the farmers. Farmers were self-insuring crop insurance. So Congress got together and both both aisles of, you know, Republicans and Democrats wanted to create an incentive for business owners to manage their risk more effectively. And that's why they introduced 831B. So, you know, keep in mind, 401k was introduced for highly compensated executives in order to keep their tax bills from, you know, being, I mean, they were going to lose 60, 70% of their, well, what incentive do you have to go to work after you made 250, you know what I'm saying? So now the farmers were finding themselves doing self-insuring crop insurance. Private sector was getting out of it. Now, when you talk about crop insurance today, and I know this is exciting stuff for everybody, but <laughs> crop insurance is a is a is the largest when you hear of crop subsidies, it's really the crop insurance that's being subsidized because the government has to match. It's kind of like FEMA with flood and everything else. The private sector is not going to give crop insurance today because it's just too catastrophic. I mean, I mean, what's happening out west right now with the drought? I mean, could you imagine if a private insurer was insuring all these crops that could have a tent potential to dry up now in their fields? It would be oh, devastating. Yeah. Year one, the, done. Yeah, well, the, only the government can, you know, because they have the ability to print money. I and mean, that's the biggest reason why they do it, right? So outside of that, we want to create an incentive so Congress comes out with this 831B. Now, that was in 1986. Fast forward 40-some-odd years later, and you guys are hearing about this for the first time. And it's been literally on the books. Now, Fortune 500 companies have been utilizing these tools. You could put up to $1.2 million out of your company into this insurance, into this 831B plan. Um, that's the original legislation. Now you can put up to $2.3 million per year. There has to be a lot of justification. You know, there's rules and regulations to it. No different than a 401k. I want to make sure. sure your listeners understand that this is not a there's, there's a lot of regulations and rules that go into this plan. That's why you hire guys like us. We're the administrator of your plan. We're make sure you're compliant. No different than, again, I can't reiterate the 401k comparison. But beyond that, though, there's there's obviously a lot of incentives. But the biggest thing from, from our standpoint was um, when that change got done in the 2017 PATH Act, you know, they did away with some abuses. Now, this tax code has been abused. Uh, it's been abused no different than the 401k has been abused. But unfortunately, what we had back in really in the 2000s, uh, from 2005 really to about 2012, the state taxes were pretty, pretty volatile in our country, meaning, you know, it was at one point, you know, the George Brennan, I think the owner of Yankees, you know, he died the best year you could die because that year there happened to be no capital. No, there, was like, there was that gap year. Yeah, there was yeah, a one yeah, gap year. Exactly. If you, Remember that? If you died in that year, you're real lucky or unlucky. Yeah, some people, some people thought, you know, he loved the Yankees so so much, you know, he, <laughs> he yeah. decided to go out that year and deny it, you know, have to liquidate his, his, uh, his estate. So anyway, but with back in there, though, unfortunately, the tax code was being sold out as an estate tax play. And and that caught, that bought pressure on the tax code. Um but, you know, we've kind of walked through that. We've got some case law now in front of us. And I think we're, we're moving down the line of, of really defining how to own an 831B plan. And again, that's our job. We certainly want to make sure the clients understand when they step into these things. But, you know, our clients um, last so, year when COVID-19 hit. So question for you real quick, just to, uh, just to kind of clarify a little bit for our audience. Yeah. We're talking two advantages here 
for business owners and entrepreneurs. Number one is the the risk management side or, or, or ways to protect themselves, especially in years they're selling a tremendous amount of products or, or, or have a high revenue year. And also a way to save on taxes, which puts more money in their pocket is helping them keep what they're earning. Is that we're hitting both ends of this thing for people, right? Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And that's really, you know, you, I tell clients when I explain this to them, if you're going to have to go fight the fight, or let's say you want to build a rainy day fund, you want a you know, war chest, whatever you want to call it. Do you want to do it with after tax money or before tax money? Oh, absolutely. On a on a hundred grand, that's the difference in having to make one forty for a hundred, or the difference in it costing you seventy for a hundred. So yeah, yeah. It, it and, and you know, think think you know one of the uh, one of the examples we give under under uh, a concept called enterprise risk management is brand brand protection. You guys know entrepreneurs live and die by their brand, right? Spend a ton of money developing a brand, consumer confidence, all of those things. But it literally takes minutes to destroy it. And it could be unrelated, related. It could be an employee. I mean, I had a, I had a plumber uh, in, uh, in the Northwest. Uh, one of his guys was smoking a joint in the, in, in the, um, in, in the van. And his elderly lady called him, called the plumbing and said, hey, what do you, when your plumbers are smoking marijuana in the, in the van? And I said, you know, I mean, he called me and said, what, you know, I said, well, could you imagine if it was somebody a little bit younger? It would have just rolled down the window, took a quick picture of the guy smoking a joint with your name on the side of the plumber and then threw it up on Facebook and say, hey, you may not want this guy coming to do your work. I'm, so I'm sure there's sure. a viral meme there somewhere in that. You, yeah, you, you right. I mean, you know, that's, that's that's the crazy world we live in today, right? But think about brand damage, how fast it would take. And I call it the double negative. So, you know, if it's bad enough, right, which happens quite, I mean, happen, it will happen today to some business. Brand damage got hit by them somehow. Something happened, whether it was true or not, got on social media, whatever it is. They're going to have a contraction of customers coming through their door. And expenses are going up. Are you going to walk down to the bank and get a get a better line of credit from them now? No. And so, from my standpoint, this is a risk management tool that really gives you the ability to build that rainy day fund up, to be so, able to fight that war if you need to fight it. And yeah. I'd rather. And could you imagine taking? Could you imagine if you had cash flow profits from last the last three four years leading up to COVID nineteen, and you were putting a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand away? And COVID nineteen hits. You've got you've got reserves in our in our eight thirty one B plan. You will have reserves and surplus and all that kind of stuff to be able to ex, be able to utilize to keep yourself alive. So and so I I can in my business build a war chest or uh, an emergency fund and deduct it as I'm building it in the years I'm making higher income and I'm in a higher tax yeah. bracket. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's amazing. That's yeah. I mean, Congress passed the code, and it, 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 you don't know how many times, you guys, and I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by CPAs. I'm talking like CPAs that hold themselves out as a tax planner that never even heard of this code, or they go, or we call them the Google, uh, 831 Google experts. They go out and Google <laughs> this code, know that the IRS has won a couple court cases, and they think that's bad news. And we're like, yeah. that's case precedence. Case precedence is good. It tells you what not to do. It doesn't. You know, yeah, these guys got sold a bag of goods because they, they were told they're very wealthy people and they had estate tax problems. That's not our client. Our clients are really the the, the scratch, the ones out there doing the grind. They're trying to build the business and hopefully someday they're going to sell it and do all the things that entrepreneurs 
you know, the, 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 the dream, right. The, the day when they no longer wear all the hats and, and, and they're, and they've moved on and now they, you know, and hopefully they, one day they can sell their business. Right. But, you know, we want to be able to make sure that they're around to sell the business and way to, way to do that is utilize an 831B plan. And, and I'm always, you know, we're not making more risk takers. We're not making, unfortunately, more entrepreneurs, in my opinion. I, I think one of the things I see all the time is, you know, people are adverse to risk. Um, and, and, and I don't know if we're making more of them, unfortunately. So the ones we have, we got, we got to make sure they know all the tools that are available to them. And this is this, all this is, is a tool for the right clients. It's a great tool. I, I can talk to you guys about the, the contractors, the subcontractors, the, the guys that are building all these homes right now, you know, in order to compete, they're giving out four five, six year service contracts, or they're giving yeah. out warranties in order to be competitive. Well, if I made profit this year, I mean, think about the craziness, right? And this is why Fortune 500 companies do these strategies because they can live and die regardless of what's going on in the economy because of the way they structure things. So think of think if I'm doing all this and I'm selling all these ACs and and and, and uh, HVAC systems and doing all this stuff, and and I'm killing it. And I've just signed on for three year, five year service contracts. And I've and I sold it to them, and and now I'm now I'm in there. Well, if I sold it for 500 bucks, I have to realize all that is income this year. Yep. But I just booked the liability on my books for the next five years where I'm pretty sure the tech I'm going to send out there to service that HVAC system isn't going to want to work for free that day. So what I have to rely on is three, four years from now, I'm either doing the same volume I'm doing today or more because more likely my expenses are up. That's right. But had I just took some of the profits and set it aside when I made the profit, now I can manage that risk so much more effectively and efficiently. Because, I mean, like, again, our, our clients are small to middle market business owners. You know, they're only as good as their word. Man, that's, right? su- that's such a reverse utilization of ways you could you could use all that plan, too, for the customer. Like, here here's how I'm going to be in business to service you in five years is we, we engage in this planning strategy and this this tool. And that guarantees I'm going to be in business five years from now when you do have well, maintenance issues or problems. Think, think if think if the economy pulls back, which is completely beyond anybody else's control. The economy sure. just simply pulls back. In order to honor your word, all you, you all you were going to do was use current cash flow to do it with. Mm-hmm. Well, what if you have a compressed cash flow? Yep. You know, so these are efficiencies of business that again, risk takers, entrepreneurs, the it's a tool. Understand it. It's, it could work for you, may not work for you, but not doing it, not looking into it, especially after a year like we just gone through, where you were literally forced to shut down by municipalities and had no choice to do it. You had, we were forced to shut down and now you survived it and you got through it. To keep doing that without making a change seems, has a hint of insanity to it. Yeah, um, it, it, it you know, does. And, you know, and, I, and, if, and I'll say too, I, I Kind of what I preach to clients and what I've experienced in my own businesses and, and owning multiple businesses is about every seven years, some sort of catastrophic event I see happen to my business or to my clients' businesses. That It could be 9-11. It could be the recession. It could be COVID. It could be out here. They decide the county decides to dig up my street for five weeks oh, and boy. customers can't get in my parking. I mean, there's there's so many things out of our control that I've just seen in a in a business career of 
about every seven years, you need to be prepared for something to happen that's going to going to cost you some revenue, and you got to figure out how to navigate that and work around it. And what a what a great tool uh, to be able to utilize and to have a tax benefit uh, behind it. That, that, that's awesome, man. And you know, and, and again, guys, you know, the biggest frustration we have in our business are CPAs. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I you know, I want to kind of throw it out there to your listeners. It's like, you know, I, I appreciate CPAs. I do. There's a, there's a rule to play, you know, but unfortunately they're just burnout, overworked, um, trying to still figure out the 2017 tax reform act. Do they understand our tax code enough to say 31 B now you bring, now the client brings them this idea and says, Hey, have you ever heard of the 31 B and then they Google it. And if you were to Google it, there's some bad news from the IRS, but truthfully, I don't, it's not the way to look at it. I think it again. It's 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 been abused. These are court cases that happened in 08, 09, 2010 that were being used for estate tax purposes. But you know, my my concern is always is you know if the CPA is going to not look at this tax code and not bring it to you or give you the idea for it, then really you have a compliance public accountant. They're more being about complying about their about your do they have the right forms filed, and again. I'm good with those people. I'm good with those CPA firms that are that way. But understand too, I think there's a lot of CPAs out there that are tax planners, and we work with TCPAs all over the country. I mean, we have we have advisors, and we have you know all over the country, all 50 states. Um, but I, I think again, as owners, risk takers, entrepreneurs, all these things, you know, I tell clients, say, hey man, if you're having a good year, just to take a little bit off the top and park it off to the side, it's good risk mitigation. But more Absolutely. importantly. It's good business. Yeah. And doing good business is good. It's great. So it keeps you alive. It actually puts you in a competitive edge, maybe potentially against your other competitors in your in your area and in what you do in your space and what you do for a living. You know, if your strategy strategy using these types of strategies, it's a game player, uh, a game changer, I should say. But the other thing, you know, like I was talking about Warren Buffett and all the people when you start analyzing who owns insurance companies. I think you you know you go with the smart money, right? You don't go in the market when the market is an all time high. You know, some people do. Um, I I prefer to stay away from that. Um, but you know, smart money does what smart money does. And owning some kind of form of a risk mitigation tool like an eight thirty one B plan, it's just a good strategy. And 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 the reality is is you know we hope our clients win. We hope our clients down the road, no different than the HSA plan, no different than a 401k plan, that they didn't have to use it during those working years. They sell their business and now they get to shut the 831B plan down. The biggest thing about the 831B plan though is it comes out as capital gains taxes and not as ordinary income like a 401k. That was going to be my question is when it's utilized, what does that look like on the income tax side of things? And I'll touch on one thing too, because because you know that my industry uh, I own a tax and accounting and a CPA firm and and you're right most of the people in my industry most of the businesses I'd say 90% of CPAs and and tax professionals they're working uh, really 10 to 20 years behind the rest of business owners um, most people are compliance tax preparers they're yeah. not making business decisions if it, I look at it from a business standpoint. What are we doing? What are we engaging? What is our risk? Uh, what is our exposure? Because at the end of the day, business owners are out there making business decisions and business risk. If you're not looking at things 
that quite honestly can get abused on the tax side, then you're you're probably leaving some money on the table. There's a there's a lot of legal ways I, to utilize yeah. some aggressive tax strategies, and that's most people, yeah. most most CPAs, their d- default answer is no because most CPAs. No. Are risk adverse. That's right. Right. And so I'm like, I, don't, I don't want to tell you to do something that I'm not 100% confident in. And yeah. that's still new to me, even though it's been around for 40 years. So let's just let's just hold off for another 40. And then maybe we'll be comfortable. <laughs> well, you, you, know, you know, the best, the be, one of the best CPAs I've ever worked with, he said something to me that was, and, and I've used it quite often when I speak in front of crowds and everything else. CPAs apply their risk tolerance to their customers. Yes. And you just, that's what you just described, right, Jeff? Yep. So what's crazy about that? Can you imagine if a financial planner did that? Oh my God. Yeah. It'd be I'm a, as a financial planner, I'm applying my risk to my clients. That's, <laughs> That's not the way point. it's supposed to be done. <laughs> but for some reason in the CPA community, it's perfectly fine. Uh, my the CPA I've worked with is he's like I adjust my risk tolerance to my client's risk tolerance. That and that's exactly what we do in, in, in my business is we say, okay, here's the reality. There's four pages of black and white tax law on this subject, and there's nine miles of gray area. I work for you. Do you want to be on the conservative side of the gray area or the aggressive side? We, I tell you, I tell you the exposure, the percentage, the risk, and at the end of the day, a lot of this is subject to historic court cases, audits, precedents. Yeah. And, 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 if, and if you're not doing those things as a business owner and you're not taking advantage of tools like these, you are definitely – leaving money on the table and that's your number one expense taxes are everybody every business owner knows number it's, one it's the, it's the greatest silent we call it the greatest silent partner you have yeah absolutely oh uncle <laughs> sam he's gonna get his and especially if you let him he, he's gonna hey, you know you know and truthfully you guys i mean i i want i want our clean water i want you know i you know no like anybody else I, i'll pay my fair share of taxes but if i'll pay as much tax as i need to um, and that's really what it comes down to. And it's really understanding the rules of engagement. The, the, you know, the game, right? The, you're, they make the rules. Now, how are we going to play the game? And that's just, this is a gamesmanship. And if you're not up for the game, then, you know, I would tell you to go hire HR Block and don't hire a private CPA. Because to be quite honest with you, I don't know what, I don't know what other tax return you're getting. Um, and no, I don't mean to beat up them up too much, but I just, you know, it's just, I, I, I love them it. all the time. And it's disturbing to me because, I see real risk takers taking risk and I'm like, and I have these conversations. I, I can, I can tell you guys so many stories over the years doing this now for going on 13 years of just identifying risk within business owners going, did you know you were doing this? Did you, and this is how you can mitigate the risk and manage it more effectively. And they, you know, they go talk to the CPA and the CPA doesn't know any, they haven't even heard of this code. And which is beyond mind blowing to me is the notices, the safe Harbor rulings, the, the court cases that have come out on this code, and in fact, it's been around since 1986. I just want to go, man, I, I don't know if I, you, you may want to look at another CPA, but, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know, not to, you know, again, I don't want to be too harsh to it because I, 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 my, I have a daughter that's a CPA. She worked for Deloitte for a number of years. So nice. I, I know the grind, right? But, yeah, you know, it, it is a grind. Absolutely. And, and like I said, but there is a... Um, anyway, enough of that. I don't want to beat them up too much, but... No, you're good. So let's talk logistics for a second. So... Yeah. So I have five banner years. Uh, I stick some money away on a deduction format in 831B. All right, now I have something go on where, where I need to access these funds under the rules of engagement here, and and, and I draw a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, 
out of the 831B. That is a that's a cap gain event at that point. On is that a cap gain oh, on what's no. earned, or is that no. principal, or how does that work? Let me let me so let me let me explain it to you this way. So inside this 831B plan, there has to be a box. Okay. No different than the form. You know, there has to be an investment platform. Something has to be managing like a formal K. I'm gonna I'm gonna compare the formal K because I think a lot of people can get their head around that part of it. Yeah. But there has to be a box sitting in the back room. The 831B plan, that box has to look like an insurance company and act like an insurance company. Okay. So there's there a four-part test that you have to follow. And that, again, as the administrator, that's what we do. The first one is there has to be a transfer of risk. There has to be risk distribution. There has to be a fancy word called fortuitous risk, which means you can't be insuring things like business risk type things then and i can get into that a little bit but i don't go down too many of these rabbit holes we got we got really colorful videos and we've gone to animation they're great videos spent a lot of money for them love if people watch them and comment about them but they're really good explanations of these four-part tests but and then the last one you got to act in the principles of insurance so again we're we're making sure that the box in order to elect under the 831b tax code the box is good the box is sound you're meeting the compliance no different than the 401k statutes as well. So that's one thing. But when it, when the business owner is having an event going on, assuming that we that it's covered under the enterprise risk management model, which again, you know, right. we could talk about that in general. I mean, we do a oh, big one right now. We're uh, supply chain risk. We're seeing a lot of claims coming through supply Ooh, chain risk because yeah. unfortunately, you know, there's an air bubble running through our systems right now, and a lot of businesses are being affected by it. So we, we offer supply chain risk type modeling to manage that risk as well. And so we're seeing those types and we call them claims. We have a, we have adjudication of claims have to go through. So that, that's packing the principles of insurance, which is the four part test. But let's say the claims all legit and it's been investigated. We're going to write we're going to write you a, a check out of your out of your out of your 831B plan. It's actually going to go back to the operating company okay. and it would be considered offset. It'd be no different than if I had a fire in my business, or if I had a business interruption policy where, you know, I had a tornado blow my roof off and now I got a business interruption policy being triggered. Um, you know, one of the things I always tell our clients, we're not here to replace your traditional insurance. We think traditional insurance does a very good job. We do, I, I, I think they do a great job. But the problem is most of the time they're insuring the tangible assets of the business, right? Where it's the hard assets, it's the vehicles, it's the buildings, it's the inventory, things you can, things a bank would loan on. Insurance companies will finance, will give you insurance policies all day long for that stuff. It's it's the intangible stuff. It's the you know proprietary systems. It's your brand. It's it's your supply chain risk. It's your contracts. All those become intangible assets of the business. Where most entrepreneurs truly value that more than the tangible assets of the business. Right in the world of of business, we're we're depreciating our tangible assets. And we're increasing our intangible assets. Does that make sense? What mm -hmm. I'm saying there. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. I, I always I always do this in front of business owners. I'm like, well, you know, between the two asset classes, the intangible asset and the in in the intangible asset, which one do you value most? And nine times out of ten, if you don't own a bunch of multifamily properties or commercial buildings, they're going to say the intangible assets of the business is what I value most. Well, which ones are you insuring for? Due to an unforeseen loss. None, usually, yeah. Zero. Yeah. So that's, again, this is why the code exists, you guys. It's not it's not rocket science. It, it's not a rocket ship by no means. I think sometimes we, we can find ourselves going down that road because it because there is a learning curve to this. You need, you know, it does give your mind, uh, you know, business. this is a tool that, 
you know, I say it all the time, you know, it's, it's, this is, you know, we all work in our business, but at times we got to step out and work on our business. This is one of those tools where you got to really sit down and understand it. And is it going to work for me? Where does it, where does it play in my business? Does it make sense for me? Do I have these exposures? Um, and, and if so, you know, not to act on it, um, I, I think is, um, is it, 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 it's sad because truthfully, I saw a lot of businesses owners go out of business. And one of the things that, well, it's crazy is the employees. I mean, we are all employers and we, you know, they become family after a while. And for you not to take advantage of all the tools available to you to manage that risk. So you, so you're around to pay the payroll more importantly, well, you're around to make sure the 401k is being funded. Right. I mean, all those sure. things, you know, allow you know, with the business that allows you to do that. And I saw so many business owners, not only here, but all over the world, all over the country, unfortunately, um, didn't know about this tax code and they were either relying on the pro government program for the PPP or they went out of business or they just didn't have enough to be able to survive during that time. And now, now let's say they even reopened now, what are they fighting for? They're fighting for their employees to come back, you know, and then they moved on. It, it's such a, a, a cosmic event in our lifetime. This, this, this COVID-19, I, 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 Truly, but we don't even begin to understand the implications of this thing yet, because especially in businesses and, you know, it's so different than uh, I read stuff about people not wanting to own homes. And I'm like, what do you mean? These, these younger people coming out, they don't want to own homes. I mean, that was like a that was one of the check boxes for being successful in life. You know what I mean? And now they're looking at it as a damn liability. And I'm just kind of under, trying to understand that. But how many of these people are going to want to own a business after COVID-19? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Absolutely. You know, yeah. You know, look at the risk they take to do what they do and then they get, you know, they get, so, so for me guys, I, I, I think the entrepreneurs are never, there can, we can never have, not have enough of them. And, and I get really concerned uh, going forward for our country because I believe the small to middle market clients, our clients are, are the people that are, they're, they're the backbone of our country. They're, they're the, they're the ones that keep the things moving. It's not, it's not fortune 500 company. It's not Facebook. It's not Google. It's not, it's not all these tech companies we always hear about. Uh, so all those, those like they're running the world, but. Um, so you, you talk know, about small to, to middle market there. What, what is defined as that for our audience? What, what size customer, what size profit would, does this make yeah. sense for when it comes to plan fees and things of that nature? Good, good. That's a great question. I would tell you that, you know, a million or more in revenue and capped around 80. There's other tools out there for you if you start getting past that. Although we do have a lot of clients on the books that do more than $80 million in revenue, but you know, the minimum would be around a million and, and, uh, and higher, I would say. And that's based on gross revenues, not profits. Sure. So we're talking about gross revenues. And so, you know, I, I believe this is going to become a normal business practice, no different than the 401k. Um, and it's not because of the taxes and the strategies you get and all there. It's just, it's truly out of just risk mitigation. I don't think traditional insurance carriers are not all of a sudden going to start covering pandemic tomorrow. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, after you look at after 9-11, the government had to come out with TRIA, a terrorism coverage, because, you know, the, the insurance industry were going to exclude it. And now they had to go out and do a, a government backstop. They're talking about government backstop, backstop for pandemic coverage. Yeah. Um, with, now, with that, let, let's say let's say uh, I'm a business and and I engage in, in this strategy and 10 years go by and we don't have an event at, and, and at that point, I'm selling my business. I'm shutting my business down. Mm -hmm. I'm passing it down. What 
what happens to this investment plan or platform at that standpoint? Can you can you withdraw it with tax consequence? Yeah. Or yeah. So, so a couple things during that time, you could have declared a dividend provided okay. there's eligibility for dividends. So okay. that, that would be treated as a long term dividend, which, again, okay. is taxed at the same rate as the capital gains. Sure. So, you know, there's some strategies about liquidating these accounts. We deal with this all the year, all the time with between uh, business, business partners separating or uh you know, unfortunately, death, divorce, or disability—the big three—and then, um, and then selling of the business, right? So we're always constantly working with business owners when we go to to basically wind this pro, wind eight thirty one B down. So there are some strategies that come with that. We allow you to keep it open for a period of time after three years, after selling the the the, the operating company, if if it makes sense. Um, so so there's a lot of different strategies that go into that, but. You know, one of the things I want to make sure, you, you know, your listeners and you're aware of that you can do a draw during the year throughout the 10 years, assuming that there's we call it surplus within the, the box, the insurance company. Right. Um, you can you can draw that out as you want. Uh, we even allow you to loan up to a certain portion of that surplus as well. Oh, you can uh, borrow against it. Well, this is this is one of the strategies that Warren Buffett's and everybody else uses out there in the world. It's called other people's money. And, and you know, you just have it happens to be your money, right? So, you know, if you can become your own bank, we have a lot of clients. I would say farmers, anybody that has to have a line of credit for a seasonal period of time, they're always trying to get out and get out to become their own bank, right? Right. So better to loan money. If I have to go buy a piece of equipment and I have a surplus in my, in my box, my, my 831B plan, uh, you, you know, you, the 830, they'll charge you interest, but it's you're paying your own interest back. These are the efficiencies of business that, again, guys, this is for, this is this may be new to a lot of your listeners when they're like, whoa, that, that's crazy. You know, but the reality is this is what big businesses do. They, you know, insurance companies are the largest lender of money in our country. And people don't even know that. If you look at a high rise building, Chase the bank didn't write a check out for that. An insurance company wrote the money because they're sitting on so much surpluses. I mean, they loan money all the time. And, so, so and it, that's the reason there's a high percentage of Fortune 500 companies that pay his zero income tax. Same thing. Well, people shake their head and go, what do you mean they're not? Well, there's they get these they have a fleet of attorneys. They're all get they're all getting this advice, you know, and, and I would tell you that, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, you know, they're not using the CPA down around the corner for tax advice. You know, I mean, they're using again. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm beating them up pretty bad, aren't I? I don't mean to. It's it, it's the nature of the beast. Hey, you're you're you're, you're helping my business, so you <laughs> you just keep on it. And and, and and I think so. I'm the numbers guy. Josh and I own a business together, and we own a few businesses separate. That um. And I'm the numbers guy on the CFO side of, of our business, and, and Josh is, is the people and the growth and the marketing. So I think we lost Josh about five minutes into this episode. No, let's be honest here. Let's, let's, <laughs> I'm having a blast, Josh. Let's I don't clarify. know about you. Like, this is the best podcast ever. I get it. Both of you guys are smart. I understand. And it's very apparent. I was brought onto the podcast pretty much for good looks, you know, <laughs> Uh, sex appeal, twisted steel, all that stuff. I mean, look what I'm wearing. I got an Adidas jacket just, on. Just smile and nod about every yeah, three minutes. You know, I, look, so good. I look pretty for our podcast audience. But I do have a question for you. This little, little side joke, we'll too. You, you guys are talking. I'm like, yeah. I can't even count to 831. I, I see you, like, drawing over here. You got some like, cars I and stuff. I was over. trying to figure out, like... I know how to count. I know how to count up to 831. I just don't know where you get the A or the B from. And so I've been kind of confused the whole time. 
and which is why I don't have a 401k. I never could count that high either. <laughs> but I want to. I got this question for you, you Van. You do got a 401k, buddy. Okay, we never yeah. talked about it, but you're good. <laughs> I don't ask questions. I just roll with it. No, uh, true story. <laughs> the 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 question I have for you in regards to this stuff because we have covered a lot of the more of the facts around the 831B program, but some stories. So like. Can you give us a couple of stories of maybe some clients you've had of where they have utilized their 831B to you know, help them function through a difficult time or through an insurable type loss, uh, as well yeah. as maybe when some clients sold their business and were able to you know, figure out a way to liquidate these funds or do or whatever was next with it. I know for me, I'll remember the stories more so than I'll remember the numbers. And I no, think some of our audience. No, that's a, that's a great um, – no, those are – thank you for the questions. I, I would tell you from a, from a risk management standpoint – um, we've seen clients, you know, they, they came in here with the tax incentive. CPA told them about our program. Them, I'm getting killed. I want to do something. And then, you know, I'll never use, I'll never use enterprise risk management. I don't, you know, that that's never happened in my practice for 10 years and inevitably the following year or something happens. So we do a lot of, um, you know, brand, I would say brand damage today and supply chain risk is, is probably the two biggest ones we see being used. So from a brand damage, I could tell you the situations where, you know, um, the norovirus in restaurants. When somebody walks into a nor, you know, a couple of years back, when somebody, unbeknownst to them, came into their their restaurant, which they own four of them in the local area, um, came in with norovirus, which is caught off of cruise ships, and then they come in and they get sick. And in that particular day at lunch, um, they had the local news media uh, folks there for lunch, and several of them got sick, and they traced it back to this restaurant, and this restaurant made local news and he saw his cells go plummeting literally within the next day. And, you know, he had to get out in front of it and he, he called us up. Uh, we have a foodborne illness type things and, and um, brand damage. And, you know, we were able to pull from previous profits from the previous years and, and go fight. He had, a, he had to hire a PR firm. He had, you know, um, uh, advertising ramped up. Coupons got ramped up. I mean, he he made a full force. And within 30 days, he was back. You know, um, you know, one of the examples we give in supply chain risk all the time is, you know, look at Ford. Ford got hit with the chips, right? Now that was Ford manufacturing. What if you're manufacturing something? And we had it. We had it happen last year. Uh, we have a client that does a lot of denim uh, jeans for major major brand name companies. Uh, when COVID got hit. You know, those are coming from the Pacific Rim area. A lot of the denim materials, uh, they got shut down, but they're contractually obligated to meet the contracts. I mean, again, those contracts become meaningful <laughs> when something goes wrong, right? And so he had to bob and weave, and he had actually had to do air freight where he was used to putting in containers and putting it over. But in order to meet his obligations, he had to put on air freight. He got an increase of almost $500,000 in one month just on shipping costs. Now, that's and a big. He, and he was faced with a decision of spend five hundred grand or get sued. Yeah, probably end up in bankruptcy, or, or worse, lose his connections from people buying. You know, okay. you know, suing might be in the cheapest route. It's actually losing a customer and making and not honoring your promises to him. And because you know, what was he going to do this year without those customers if he didn't honor his word last year? Right. So. All of those things are uh, can be so detrimental to the business, and unfortunately, I think you had a lot of clients that you know look at look at your dental practices, right? They were forced to shut down. Look at your restaurant doors that were shut down. Um, 
and and in and in and in additional costs. You know, we've seen a lot of additional costs now for for products. I, I can tell you stories after stories on that. So the risk management side of it is real, unfortunately, and it happens every day to our, to, to our clients and your guys' listeners. Um, that's one thing. The second thing I would tell you about the closing of the business is I, I you know, we don't get into that stuff, but we certainly, I can't help but not, uh, if I see somebody running off a cliff, I got to stop. So I can't help but not give consulting business, even if, even if it's unsolicited, I can't help myself. But, um, I, I could tell you the strategies that go in, you know, one of the things that we like, one of, one of the things we like to see is um, I was talking about earlier about this, you know, who's going to go into the businesses? Well, who's going to buy my business? So we've seen strategies where, you know, they might have had a couple, you know, I'm not, I can't go out and do a, an ESOP where it's employer owned company. It's not big enough, but you know, I had like three or four employees that really helped me grow my business. And now we can put some kind of plan together where I can give them ownership of my 831B plan. We can build the reserves up, the surplus up and down the road. I can be bought out. That's a down payment for them. We're creating this down payment in the back room for them to, to buy me out of my business. You know, I'll, I'll maybe take a discount on my business because I know I know my employees are going to take it over. Those are strategies. I've seen family, uh, closely held family members do that, where a father and a son may go out and do two 831B plans. You know, run them for a period of time over five years or whatever. Nothing happens. Everything else, they got surpluses. They shut them down. You know, dad's got a dad's got a pretty decent cushion of money to leave the company in, in case Johnny wants to run it in the ground next year. You know what I mean? So there's all these risks that go into these things when you start to you know come out execute you know to, to add execute on a plan. And I think the other thing about this this particular plan, eight thirty one B plan, it gives you a strategy to sell your business. Right. So, so a good example, um, one of the things we've seen too, and in, in, is warranties, right? So if I'm out manufacturing, selling or distributing a product and I'm offering a warranty and now I'm selling my business, well, guess what an attorney or a real estate agent is going to do? He's going to try to discount your business based on that warranty because say, Hey, I got to, we're buying your business. We got to honor your warranty now for the next five years. You want to sell for X, well, we, we want to sell for, for Y, and here's why, because we have this risk now we're taking on. Well, if you can tell them, oh, wait a minute, I got this 831B plan over here, I'll keep it alive, and we'll do a runoff for the next five years. You're not discounting my company. If anything, you're going to, I'm going to charge you a higher premium because of that, because you don't have that risk. Again, these are efficiencies of levels of business that it's an idea and, 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 you know, again, for the right client, this, this could be, this could be such a huge game changer for them. It gives them the ability for a strategy to exit out of there because I, I, you know, I make presentations and stuff. Well, when I went, I traveled a lot with uh, CPAs and financial advisors and property and casualty agency conventions, those conventions are the best. You guys are trying to attend one of those, but anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. Pile, piles of extroverted conversation going on there, right? <laughs> really good information going on. But but you know, when we when we're talking to them, it's like, you know, who's our client? I and I say a lot of times it's you know, somebody in their 50s, mom and husband and wife did really well. They sent the kids off to school. Uh they thought they were gonna come back and take their business over, and now they decided, mom, dad, I don't want anything to do with the business. And now they're looking up at the ceiling in, in bed, laying in bed at night, looking at the ceiling going, well, how, how? and they've done it. And they put their blood, sweat, and tears, every dollar back into the business, grew this business, and now how they gonna, who they who, who are they gonna turn to? So this gives them a strategy at least that that allows them 
to first and foremost manage the risk of the business, overall risk of the business, and then but also at the same time give them a strategy for long-term planning. That I, to me, a four hundred one k is great, but when you own a multi-million dollar business, putting eighteen thousand five hundred dollars away in your four hundred one k plan is not going to change your life. It doesn't get you excited. I mean, uh, we've taken risks, we threaded the needle, we make a good living and a good business and a good. Now you're going to, I'm, I'm going to die with this thing. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know if they're, I don't know if that's the plan, right? But unfortunately, a lot of times that's that's what ends up happening. And I'll, uh, I'll tell you, I just uh, here uh, probably about fourteen months ago experienced uh, all of this coming together uh, for a client where all of these things came into play and they didn't have this tool. Uh, it was a business that was owned for about twenty years. Uh, it had been really successful and they were getting ready to sell. And this was about a $2 million transaction uh, from a sales standpoint, no real estate, just the operations of the business. Uh, there were a, a couple of managers that was in, were interested in buying the business. And it just wasn't an option from a funding standpoint, from a banking standpoint, it wasn't an option. So they had to go to an outside buyer. The outside buyer uh, owned a portfolio of businesses, um, had attorneys, had had valuations, and because of warranties and gift cards, this two million dollar sale, which looked good on paper, got reduced down to about one point four million. So, so by not having a tool in place to assist, not only could they yeah. not sell it to the people they care about and they wanted to, they took a five or six hundred thousand dollar haircut because of those warranties and because of the outstanding gift cards that that had yet to come through and nobody knew they didn't have a track record of, uh, of tracking those things to know yeah. what really to expect from what percentage is going to come to fruition over the next three years. And, so and yeah. with an 831 B plan, it drives that tracking. Yeah. You know, as an admin, we got to track your claims going back into your, you know, so that, that would, there would have been a, a history involved. It would have been predictable, especially after five years, you can become pretty predictable on those losses potentially. So no, I, I again, guys, I, I I just you know I'm I'm thankful for guys like you out there doing these types of podcasts because, I mean, I got we were our mission is to get the word out, you know, you survived you survived the Great Recession, you survived COVID nineteen, and and I love your seven year. You're right. I mean, it, you know, seven to ten years, I think you can create a a, a black swan event, right? Is what they like to call them. But sure. you know, things that are way beyond your control, and now it's affecting your business and. And again, I think you just for the honor the risk you took, recognize the risk you took, and now how do I mitigate that risk? And and again, eight thirty one B plan is out there, and and it's Congress. Congress passed the law. It's a tax code. It's a legitimate law. Um, and and be quite frank with you, Congress is a big believer in this tax code. It's a way for business. So their biggest their biggest tax is payroll taxes. They got we got to have people staying and working, going to work. Um, and by doing that, by having small to middle market business owners stay open, they're they're the ones again, guys. They're the ones putting the gas in the tank and the food in the shelves. And uh, it's it's not Google, I promise you. So, Van, if our listeners, if they're at a million dollars in revenue, or they or they've blown past that a long time ago, but they don't have an eight thirty one B plan, and they want to reach out to you, where can they find Van Carlson? Yeah. So um, our website is eight thirty one B dot com. 
Uh, you guys Good met Bree. Man, you locked that hey. down. That's awesome. Hey, I, I'll tell you what. We got the best marketing person, Bree. You guys saw the logo here getting this thing set up, and she was able to get that web domain site for us. So 831B.com, there's a lot of resources on there. Um, they can absolutely reach out to any of my team. Um, you know, we have sales team, operation teams, all those things. Uh, we operate in all 50 states. Um, but yeah, that would be the best resource for them to go to 831B.com. And are those awesome videos you talked about? I'm assuming that that's where Bree has them published on 831B.com. <laughs> yeah, well, we got some that are top secret, so you got to request a couple of the real secret sauce. Okay, ones. that's where you got. I got to give you my email address for that <laughs> <That's> one. <right. laughs> oh, you, you know how it works. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it, you know, but yeah, there are some videos on there too. But there's a lot of resources on there, and we encourage, you know, this is an education process. And again, I think you owe it to your business, you owe it to your employees, you owe it to your family, you owe it to all the risk you took to look into it. And, and um, if it can be a differentiator for you, then good for you. You know, well, well, so I, I could not agree more uh, regardless of whether it's right or not. If you're a business owner, you need to be looking into everything you can that, that protects you and, and keeps more money in your pocket on, on the front end of things. And so, as a podcast, too, we, we tell our listener that we'll give them the tools to climb higher and faster than ever before. And, like, we've probably done that, like, three or four times. <laughs> so, uh, this, but this is, like, legitimate, like, nuts and bolts, man. Not, this not is only a is tool. this a tool to help you climb higher and faster, this is the rope that's attached at the oh, top, yeah. too. So when you fall off the mountain, you're not going all the way to the bottom. You're not dying. So exactly yeah. right. we're, we're giving you both ends of that tool here. But no, it's, it's been really educational for me, and I, I, I cannot stress enough uh, that I've seen these things happen over and over and over with my businesses and my clients' businesses over the last 20, 25 years. And, and you need to know about them and, and utilize them or know when you get to the size that you can utilize them. So I, I appreciate you joining us, man, and, and sharing this information and all you all are doing out there to educate the entrepreneurs and the business owners and, and just awareness behind what exists and, and what you can provide and service them with. I, I really appreciate you guys too. And like I said, I, I appreciate your platform and, and, uh, yeah, we're going to keep moving up and onward, and, and it will become a normal business practice. And uh, like I said, we're all enjoying the grind right now. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, COVID-19, um, our biggest year ever was last year. You know, clients, yeah. the, the reality of advisors came to came to rest on them. And, and this year's looking even larger than last year because people couldn't get their head around the risk stuff so much until, unfortunately, something like COVID-19 pops up. Yeah, and so... Uh, so some of us have to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is the best way, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. It's Van Carlson, ladies and gentlemen, 831B.com. Go overload that website. Sell your soul by giving him your email address. He will send you cartoon videos until you've given, put money into that 831B. Uh, man, awesome, Van. Thank you so much for, uh, for your man, education. We knew coming in. Me and Chad yep. knew we we're going to get some education today. We didn't know we'd have as, as good a time as we had. So overall, awesome job, my friend. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. If you're a fan of the Entrepreneur Adventure podcast, we would love to hear about it. You can leave us a review right here on your favorite podcast app. You can subscribe to the podcast, or you can find us on Instagram at The Entrepreneur Adventure. Until next time, thank you for joining us.